0: Amen, and thank you. Word of welcome to the Palm family. Visiting with us this morning in town, not just Kevin and Betsy, but Katie, Kelsey, Kara, the whole crew. I think they even brought extras with them today, so uh, make sure you give them a hug this morning. Uh, a couple other quick things. One, if you were not here last uh, last week during Sunday school, and we did a presentation and an update on. Where we are with the move and the architect and and our plan and our vision and all of that stuff. The video of that session is on the website and you can go there and click on it and see uh, and not miss a thing. Uh, Also, a reminder it didn't make the bulletin, uh, but this Tuesday, the 21st, Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, is a follow up meeting. We started a conversation Sunday morning, uh, and if there are more questions, you want a closer look, you want to uh, uh, dig deeper and and, uh, just, uh, I guess, learn more about the whole thing. The architect will be here, and then a number of us from the new move team will be here, probably be in 201 if, uh, if it will hold us, and uh, we'll have that conversation as much as we need to. So I would like to uh, invite you, please, come on Tuesday night if, uh, if you still have questions and concerns. This morning we are in First Peter chapter 2 been walking through the book of 1 Peter, and this morning we are talking further, really a further conversation from last week, and it will push into, and this is the way these letters go as they write into the next couple of weeks, which are all about what it means to live for Christ's sake, and to live in, in that respect in, uh, in submission and humility. <clears throat> so we are in 1 Peter chapter 2, open to God's word, to verse 18, and hear the word of God. Servants, Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and to the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and you suffer for it and endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we have gathered this morning to your presence. And as the rain comes down from heaven and saturates the earth, so we long for your spirit to come down and to saturate your people with life-giving flow as it washes away the dirt and the grime and brings life and health. Come now. Come now and speak to us from your word and cleanse us and renew us and revive us in our own love for you, that we might live for Christ's sake, in whose name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Submission can be something of a bad word. We don't really like it, at least the idea of it, the reality of it. We chafe under authority. We, we in our, our arrogance, our pride, we rebel. We don't, we don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to have to answer to someone else, to explain ourselves, to justify ourselves. From birth, we hate to hear the word no. I was in line at Publix the other day buying stuff, and at the end of the row, there's a screaming child. I could hear him as I came to the register. The whole time I'm checking out, it just never let up. And I heard one of the bagging persons say to the person at checkout, it's like, yeah, she said no. (laughs) No. And that explains the whole thing. Uh, we, we, we get it. We don't want to, the, the child from the earliest. This is where we start. We don't want to hear, no. And amongst the words that we learn, mama, daddy, no. Right? It's, right, it's got to be in the top three. Sometimes it's first. You know, Sometimes it's third. But it's in there, right? It's one of those things. It's, it's time to go home now. No. It, it's time to go to bed. No eat your vegetables. No. We don't want to be told. You know, know, I'm not just talking about kids now, right? I'm talking about us. We don't like to do somebody else's will. We don't like to be told what to do. We like to be in control. We like to get our own way, right? We like our own will. Besides, we're always right. So why would I want to do yours? And we don't like to have our will crossed. Most of our fights, whether it's at home, between parents and children, and husbands and wives, and within the church, so many of them surround what? Having our will crossed. I have a way of thinking about it. I have a way of doing it. I have a way, right? I, I, and you cross me. You disagree with me, right? You, you won't do it my way. And this is so frustrating to us. And then we pray things like, Thy will be done. Really? Really? For Christ's sake. <laughs> See, the problem in Jesus' kingdom is that maturity and greatness look a lot like self denial and humility and submission. If we want to follow Jesus, the very thing that we must do. And Jesus, what did Jesus say? If you want to follow me, what do you got to do? Deny yourself. First, the first thing we must do to follow Christ and to do his will and to live for his sake. deny yourself and follow, take up your cross and follow me. The abandonment to his will is what it means to be his follower, his disciple. This embracing of Jesus' way over my way, of really praying that prayer, thy will be done and death and self-denial to my will and my way. He says in Matthew 20, as the disciples are arguing about who gets to be in charge. Who gets to be in control? Who gets the seat of power? And Jesus says to them, you know about the rulers of the Gentiles. You know what it's like out in the world, the way people wield power and use it, right? He says, they lord it over them. And they're great ones. They exercise authority over them. You know how it's done out there. You've been in a workplace. You've been in, in, in many situations where people wield power. And he says this though, this is in your bulletin under the first point, Matthew 20. He says this, it shall not be so among you. It will not be like that among those who follow me. Because the first thing people do when they follow me is deny themselves. Whoever would be the first among you, he says, must be your slave. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Really? Really? Greatness? The first in his church among his people? The servant? son of man, the very next thing he says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Philippians 2, Paul picks it up and he says, the son of man, he did not, (laughs) the son of man came not to be served, but he emptied himself, right? That great psalm of praise, that great doxology of Paul when he says that he didn't grasp something, the equality with God was not something that That he grasped, but he emptied himself and he took the very form of a servant. It was the way that he was in the world. It was who he was. Willing to suffer even on a cross, he said. And so following Jesus is this weird thing because it goes in the face of the world. You know how it is out there. They lord it over. You know how it is out there. And he says, not so among you. Following Jesus, there's this weird thing that goes on. He calls us to be different. He calls us to be wired differently. He calls us to be in the world differently. He calls us to follow him. And so in verse 13, as we were looking at last week, as he starts this whole section, that's the end of chapter two and the first half of chapter three, it's all under this whole rubric, verse 13, be subject which can be translated just as well, submit yourselves, right? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, to every human creature, to every, in every circumstance. Be subject, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Then he unpacks and he applies this. We looked a little bit last week about emperors and governors and being subject and submitting ourselves to the to the governments under which we find ourselves but he goes in today and he talks about in verse 18 of following servants be subject to your masters and then next week and the week after it's wives be subject to your husbands you don't want to miss that one and then the next week we're going to talk about husbands so what we're going to do we're going to hit them together but that that's where he goes and it's all under this one rubric this one command be subject for the sake of Christ to every Every institution, for, in every situation that you find yourself. Luther there in your bulletin, he says that a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all. He is subject to none because he is subject to Christ alone. But then he says a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all. And he's subject to all. Because that's what it means to be subject to Christ. Who came not to be served, but to serve. And so right in verse 13 where he says, be subject to everyone for the Lord's sake. And then in verse 16 he says, live as free people. Be subject to everyone. Live as free people. Right after he says live free, in verse 16 he goes on and says as servants of God. And what we're free from is we're free from our arrogance. We're free from our pride. We're free from our selfishness. We're free from our self-centeredness, our need to be in control. We're free from sin, which is ultimately the self-centered soul. And so he says, being free from all that and being servants of God, and for Christ's sake, we are able to give ourselves away. Commit yourselves, submit yourselves as a way of being in the world. It's a posture in our relationships, which is why he walks through slaves and masters, husbands, wives, and then you can just draw the implications from there as he's given us the principles of all, of of how our posture is in our relationships, which is like Christ. who Literally poured out His life. And so Christian maturity, Christian Christ-likeness is humility and submission and service and to be great in the kingdom of God is to be, in a sense, the servant of all like Christ in the world, and for his sake emptying ourselves and taking the form of a servant and giving ourselves away. And so he comes after slaves and masters, servants and masters in 18 to 20, and he tells them, servants, you need to be subject to your masters with all respect. Like not putting on a face, not putting on a facade, but with all respect. And he says, and not just the good ones, but the bad ones too. Not just the gentle ones, but the harsh ones. Now, it's interesting in, in this servant and master's thing because it's a, it's, a, it's a category, really, that we don't deal with very much today. We have done away with such categories. And he never addresses employees and employers. So what I'd say is this, is think of it in those terms. Because in their culture, there was very little middle class and working class and those kind of relationships. There was the rich and there were those who served, and most of those who served were slaves, property of others. And there wasn't the kind of structures that we have in our culture. And I will say that this is this is not an affirmation of slavery. Paul's letter, his is, is, Peter, Peter's letter, the purpose is pastoral and encouragement and instruction. And he's writing to folks who don't live in a democratic state. It's not like we got the letter and we would we would rise up in our democratic society where there's freedom of speech and the freedom to fight these things. And we have legislative, we have we have. Uh, avenues of, of pursuing change in our culture which they did not have they had an <clears throat> they had an emperor god who had absolute authority and when you disagreed with them they tended to crucify you and, and, and kill you and so every slave rebellion that had ever happened under particularly by this period of time was crushed with great bloodshed the uh, the rebellion of the Jews in AD 70 just a few years after this it was it was a bloody affair they were they were slaughtered they, they were pinned up in Masada and, and rather than be taken by the Romans when they lost that battle and were, were bloody they ended up the re, the remnants killing themselves rather than fall into the hands of the Romans because it would go ill to fall into the hands of the Roman and better to go by your own hand. And so there there is this thing that for, for him to write what he's writing about, he's not looking to put an end to an institution, he's not affirming the institution, he is just writing within certain structures and understanding them. He is speaking to God's people about how to behave in a difficult situation. And you need to remember that it was Christians applying Christian principles who later in democratic societies abolished slavery in the Western and free world and who put pressure on the rest of the world. So he's not, he's, not, he's not affirming slavery here, but he's speaking to people in difficult situations. You may feel like when you have a boss who is unreasonable and harsh and mean and on the list goes, you may feel like you're... In that kind of a situation, how do we get out of this? I mean, I... masters had absolute power. Some treated their slaves well, educated them, gave them position, household prominence. Sometimes they even adopted them. Other times, there were masters who were not so kindly. They were verbally and physically abusive, even when doing good. In other words, abusive people don't need a. Rational reason to be unreasonable and to be abusive. Abusive people are like that. You give people power, and if they're good people, they use that power well. If they're abusive people, they use it poorly. And so he gives these, these people who have power. They don't need a legitimate reason. Just like your employers and sometimes your bosses and supervisors, the people that you work with or work under or work around, don't need a legitimate reason to be... Harsh, mean, evil, conniving, plotting. But he says whether they are good or whether they are in gentle or whether they are unjust, his advice is this. Employees, submit yourselves to your employers. And not just the good ones, even the bad ones. Now, that's a hard word. This is a hard thing to hear. What does it mean to submit? And I would say, first and foremost, it means this. As he finishes his passage, he's talking about submission. When he gets to the end, in the middle of chapter 3, where he addresses wives and husbands and applies it again, in verse 9, right at the end of that, he says this. And I think I put it in your bulletin under the second point. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling with reviling, but on the contrary, Bless. Bless. It doesn't mean that you can't try to improve your situation through legitimate means. There were slaves who bought their freedom even in those days. And if you can find a way out to improve yourself under legitimate means is a great thing to do. But he says, in this situation, and while you're there, here's the thing, don't be like them. Don't be like them. See, what happens when we suffer abuse is we tend to get nasty ourselves. That when we When we are mistreated sometimes and we look to get back at them right we we want to strike back lash out we want to somehow and he says don't be like them don't look for ways to get back at them whatever they do don't repay evil for evil or they're reviling for reviling but be honest and work hard and be respectful Because it has to do with who you are. It has to do with your heart. It has to do with your posture. It has to do with your Lord. The way we respond to evil people in that we don't become evil ourselves. Not returning evil with evil where we become like them. It is so funny to me sometimes is we stand and, you know, when you're not in the heat of it yourself and you watch other people and somebody does something horrible or evil or cruel or mean or whatever and then the person responds cruelly and, and meanly, and this kind of stuff, but they feel utterly justified. Because he did this, this, and this, and this, and this. So, yeah, I'm going to... And they've t- totally justified. Like, it, it's all legitimate because they started it. Or, or some kind of justification or rationale that goes in our head. That they're like this, and so it is okay for me to be like this. In response... The way we respond to evil is crucial in living for Christ's sake, like Christ, for His honor and glory, as His followers, as His witnesses in the world. Who we are when we suffer matters. How we respond under suffering matters and reflects on our Master. In Luke six twenty-eight, 28, it's here in your bulletin under the second point. It says, bless those who persecute you who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Right. He. Res- how, how do we respond in these situations? And really, it's supernatural, isn't it? I mean, this is a hard saying. This is difficult stuff. I'm, you've been there. I've been there. Man, I want to come right back at you. But he bookends this whole thing in, in 19 and 20, right? If you look at verses 19 and 20, he says in 19, in the beginning of this, he says, for this is a gracious thing. It's a grace thing. Right? And he says the same thing at the end of verse 20, after he has talked about enduring all of this. If for good you suffer and you endure it, he says again at the end of 20, this is a gracious thing. This is a grace thing. Right? This is a God thing. If, if mindful of God, you are different. Right? If mindful of God, you find the power and the grace to not return evil with evil, but to be like Christ. It's a grace thing. It's a, it's a glory of God thing. It is by his power and for his glory. And he says, now, if you are mistreating people, if you are misbehaving and you're punished for it and you suffer for it, don't cry persecution. I've seen it again and again. Christians, again, who justify their behavior. They're being mean, they're being obnoxious, they're being harsh. And then, and then the culture comes back at them, in a sense, punishes them or persecute, and they cry persecution. I say, no, if you are being punished for being obnoxious, it's not persecution. Right? If you are being punished for doing ill, if you are being punished for being wrong, if you are punished for, for being mean, angry, spiteful, hurtful people, then he says there's no credit in it, right? There's no credit in it. Verse 20, what credit is it when you sin and you're beaten for it? And there's a sense in which we deserve it. We brought it on ourselves. He says, but if while doing good, following Christ, honoring Him, and living for His sake, we suffer and we endure. We don't sin, right? And that's really what it comes down to, that we don't sin in the midst of it, because that's what He is calling us to. At the heart of this whole passage is the imitation of Jesus. Right In verses 21 to 24, he moves very quickly into this and he says, To this you have been called, because Jesus also suffered for you. He left you an example, following his footsteps. He committed no sin. Right at the center of this whole passage is, is Jesus and how he suffered and how he endured and how he responded. And the main thing about it, the main thing about Jesus in this in verse 21 is, is this. Verse 22, he committed no sin. When he suffered, he didn't become like them. This is where we, it's the very heart of it, who we are when we suffer. That we don't become like those who cause us pain. That we don't cause pain in return. That we don't plot revenge. That we don't grow bad and give the devil a foothold we don't grow angry and harsh that we don't sin jesus it says suffered for us and yet he committed no sin even in the worst moments even as he hung on the cross we talked about it on good friday the first words out of his mouth father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He prays for the very people murdering him. So when he says, pray for those who persecute you, bless and curse not, Jesus gives us the model for it. But he's not just a model for how to endure suffering. His death isn't just exemplary giving us a pattern to follow. His his death is actually redemptive. verse 23 and 4 as he moves on and says even though he he did not revile when reviled right he did not return evil with evil but when he suffered he did not threaten but he trusted himself to his father God is my judge it is vengeance belongs to the lord he says and he trusts God. I mean, that's what it says when it says he trusts himself. It's basically in the midst of this situation, it's untenable, and I'm suffering evil and fu- suffering harm and hurt from others. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to follow Jesus. And for Christ's sake, I'm going to be different. And not just for his sake, but by his power. And that's what this redemptive death is all about. He redeems us. It says that he bore in his own body on the tree, verse 24 that we might die to our sin and live for righteousness. In other words, His bearing of our sin becomes the source of the power of a new life. He took all of our sin and all the, 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 that we deserve for, and it says He bore it in His body, and He bore it to death, and He paid its full penalty, and He destroys the guilt of it, so we're free from the guilt, and He also destroys the power of it, inviting us to abide in Him, to be full of His Spirit, to walk with Him, in fellowship, and so that we would have the power of a new life in his life. That even as he was raised from the dead by the power of the Father, we too, he says, can walk in a newness of life. And so his, in his death, he not only gives us an example of how we should be in the world and under suffering, but he also gives us the power to do it. By inviting us to abide in me, and you will bear much fruit to the glory of God, the fruit of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. All of these things, even when you're suffering, even when you're suffering for Christ's sake, you wouldn't return evil with evil. So we'll end with this, which is his purpose. Because He says all of this that he did in bearing our sin was that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. See this is where he. The point of all of this. In fact this is a way of defining. When he says be subject. To, to every human creature. To governors and emperors. And to kings and rulers. And to servants to their masters. And wives to their husbands. And in every circumstance here. He sums it all up by saying. What this is. Is it's dying to sin. And it's living for righteousness. Living to righteousness no longer slaves to sin not having to return and become like our abusers like those who would mistreat us so Romans 6 there under the last point of your bulletin thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin that you might die to sin and you've become obedient from the heart, that is, you've put your faith in Christ, and trusted yourself to God, and having been set free from sin, then we have become, he says, slaves to righteousness. It's a way of being in the world, in every situation, in every context. When we get those I get emails from the voice of the martyrs and Christian circumstances all around the world where they are suffering in ways like you, you know, your boss being mean to you, seriously, you know, or the different circumstances, or my wife said something harsh to me, which is sometimes where I am, I'm all indignant because she said a hard word to me. And I'm, you know, we, how we get all up on these things when the people around the world, I get, I get emails from, you know, Christians in Syria who are praying that they would honor Christ in the midst of all that they are suffering over there, that they would, they would bring glory to His name in the way that they witness, in the way that they live, in the way that they suffer, in the way that they die, that their Savior would be honored. And who they are, even when they suffer. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves for their will and for their rights and for their claiming, but, but for him who for their sake died and said, I've left you an example. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life, to bring people to a saving knowledge of myself and what I've come to do. So we proclaim not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord under your last point. 2 Corinthians 4, we proclaim not ourselves, not our will, not our way, not what I want, not me, not my rights, not my. But Christ is Lord, and with ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, let us break the chain of sin and bondage in the power of God. We break the chain, and we'll return to this in weeks ahead. We break the chain. Jesus took all that sin on himself and instead of reviling back, or re- it dies with him. And as we follow Christ, there is just a way of being in the world that when sin comes against us, instead of perpetuating it, instead of responding in kind, by the power of his spirit who lives within us, by the grace that is ours in Christ, it dies with us. For Christ's sake, we are like him. And we return evil with good. Give grace where it isn't deserved. And we bring honor to the God who saves us. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for the way that you love us and the way that you save us and the way that you have done for us all that is necessary to set us free from sin that we might live for righteousness. You've given us not only the example of Christ who did not come to be served, but to serve and to submit and to give. But you bore our own sin in your body on the cross to set us free and to empower us in a new life. Would you come near this morning and fill us afresh with your spirit and empower us to be like Jesus and to live for his sake and for his sake. Turn evil with good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.